All right, real quick, people, before we get into today's show, we've just released a new course, Periodization for Periods, all around how to train women around their monthly cycle, and we've got it on special. If you're interested, click the link in the show notes. You are now listening to the Fitness Education Online Podcast, the podcast where fitness professionals go to grow their fitness business. If you're in the fitness industry, you'll find tips and strategies from proven business experts. Now, let's start the show. G'day guys, Travis here from Fitness Education Online and welcome to the Fitness Education Online podcast with another episode of Bro Science. I'm here as always joined with my brother, Craig. Thank you for joining me. Ah, Trav. I am very excited to be here with a very esteemed guest. Yes, we do have a very esteemed guest. It's always extra special when we've got guests, but this is a great one. This is uh, something that I've known about for for many years and something I've done, I've done the course in as well and something I've spoken to you, Craig, about several times as well because the whole thing is, is of great interest to me. So I've got the CEO of Precision Health Alliance, uh, Dr. Cam McDonald, um, thank you for joining us. Now, if you're unfamiliar with this, this is was formerly PH360, has been renamed relatively recently. Um, but Dr. Cam, I suppose, will give us sort of the rundown on some of that stuff. And then we'll dive into a whole heap of questions if you are unfamiliar with it, because it is, you know, like uh, pulling out like a string from a ball there. There is so much involved in, in PH or in precision health and, and really looking forward to diving into it with Craig as well today. So Cam, thanks for joining us. It's so great to be here. It's, uh, the elusive Craig has been spoken about for many years and it's really, really wonderful to be connected finally and to be able to chat to you, Trav, as always. As always, mate. So thank you for being here. So can you give everyone a you know, the 101 on, you know, I suppose the elevator pitch, whatever it might be for Precision Health. Yeah, Can awesome. I just confirm oh, one yep, thing sorry. quickly, Travis? Is it yeah. uh, is is Cam the infamous Cam who you've had the man crush on for so many years that you <laughs> they, they always go mean. up to at the end of every talk <laughs> Mate, and you want to yeah. know more and you want more information? There's lots of them. Want, I'm sorry. He's, he's not alone. Selfie, another Dr. signature. Cam's a dime a dozen. Mate, oh, there's there's all all of them, yeah. But there there has been a running joke. Sad. There has been a running it's joke about sad. this. <laughs> there has been a running joke about my my interest in everything, uh, well, precision health. So, uh, yes, that is him, Craig. Okay, your future husband. Anyway, go on. <laughs> well, you know, I'm single at the moment, so this is very possible. It's a Look great out. time for me. Thanks, Trav. Um, and thanks for setting it up, Craig, as well. I appreciate that. You never you never get the personal stuff, and it's all very formal, and then you miss opportunities, you know. So, uh, yes, my um, the Precision Health, the elevator pitch is, well, from the way that we look at our mission is to eliminate chronic disease and pain by the year 2050. That's our goal and our vision to have healthy as the norm. Now that raises a number of questions, how we get there. The first is in order to solve chronic disease, health, improve outcomes generally for everybody, we need to recognize that everybody's different. If you recognize that everybody's different, it means then that everybody needs a slightly different intervention that's going to create the best change for their body specifically. And that changes as they age as well. What you need at 12 is very different to what you need at 30 and what you need at 70 to be in your best health. So not only are we different, we are different all the way through our life depending on the environment that we're exposed to. And essentially, Precision Health is about understanding that difference in a meaningful way so that you can make sure that the right environment is around you as much as possible, including food and exercise. They are part of your environment. 
the social environment that you have, the physical environment that you have, like the amount of nature, the quality of your air, um, the, the career that you do, even the sleep that you get, and even the environment of your mind, because it is essentially an external source of input or internal source of input that uh, influences your health as well. And so we're looking at how are we different across all of these domains and how can we put the right information in front of the person at the right time so that they can be in their best health. And if they're in their best health, then this is what contributes to a reversing of chronic disease, a, a prevention of chronic disease. So we have a bit of tech that is able to assess that difference in individuals very specifically and then provide outputs across all of those domains. And we're using it in research throughout Australia and there's some international projects that are going on at the moment, which is very exciting. We're using it in corporate, training health professionals, using it in schools, teaching kids how to be healthier and how to, how to support educators to know how to help kids to be healthier. So it's got application across the planet um, it's very, very exciting stuff. Now, Craig might have a question, but before we dive into Craig's question, who's it for? Like, we, this is all like you hear that and you go, like, oh, this sounds like it's out of a PT scope of practice. Yeah. Um, who, who are the people that come and do your courses? Very good. Thank you for bringing it back into scope. So, uh, the people that do it, we've had probably fifty percent of the population that have come through our course have been fitness professionals. It is very much designed for them. Uh, then we have medical doctors, uh, integrative medical specialists, we have allied health, naturopaths, wellness coaches, whatever it may be. Essentially, what happens is that the client sets up a, a relationship with the tech that the scope is being held by the technology. And you as a health professional that can't normally prescribe nutrition can say, what does your app say? And in that way, they can access the app and say, oh, it says spinach is higher for me. Great. Oh, do you want to try that? As opposed to you should eat spinach three times per week. <laughs> if, you can, if you can get it at the supermarket at exactly. the moment. <laughs> yes, at the moment, yes. Uh, so uh, this is where you're able to actually become a coach for the other aspects of lifestyle that isn't your specialty area. But we also have a very strong network of health professionals where if you're ever worried about, is this the right thing for this person, you can refer out for a quick consultation with a dietitian, naturopath, exercise physiologist, doctor, get the right level of confidence so that you know that you're then coaching that area with you know, all of the supervision that you need as well. But it, it essentially allows you to broaden your understanding of the body and also how you can interact with them professionally. I've, uh, I've really enjoyed the personal questions to start off this podcast. So mm -hmm. one thing that I want to know is, have you always had such... Uh, you know, low, easy to reach, easy to attain goals? Has it always been something that you just choose something really easy, like eliminating all chronic disease and pain by 2050? Like, have you ever thought to push yourself to something a, a bit more challenging or? Well, 2040 is still on the table. And uh, the, um, you know, I, I set a goal most mornings to get out of bed and exercise. I'm not always successful. Uh, so the, uh, you know, I have small goals, but this is, um, interestingly, this is our organizational goal. My goal before that, was uh, to create a culture where the healthy choice was easy and obvious. So even of my own devices, it's always been, I want to fix stuff and I want to fix stuff at a big level. I, in fact, I ran into one of my research supervisors from Denmark. Uh, I went over there to do a stint during my PhD. And um, she's known that I've been doing this work and we, we could potentially be doing some really cool stuff together over in Europe with it. And she said, ever since I've met you, it's been about save the world like this is before i even found this work in person in precision health so for whatever reason that seems to be the way that i'm geared and uh i've found an organization that's pretty aligned with me so i'm happy about that 
So chronic health, let's let's just dive into that. Just because you mentioned it, Craig, chronic health diseases, chronic health pain, uh, you can probably both answer this. What exactly is that? <laughs> what, like, what does that include? Oh, it includes lots of things. Do you want to go first, Craig? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, chronic disease, probably let's describe what it's not. Um, acute disease are things that happen fast. They're often just one-off. Um, they're, they're short-term danger, often more intense, and uh, shorter-term resolution often, unless, of course, they become chronic, which we'll talk about in a second. So a car accident is an acute problem. Uh, a, um, you know, a uh, stabbing yourself is an acute problem. A, a cold and flu is an acute problem, unless, of course, you then decide not to rest and recover and you've now had this same cough and tickle for the last six months, essentially that's where we start going from acute into chronic. Essentially, it's where the body gets pressed outside of its normal metabolic function called homeostasis. So homeostasis is like your body in natural balance. If your body is taken outside of that balance for a period of time, it's called an allostatic load to get technical. If you hold that load of uh, outside your comfort zone, outside your physiological norm for long enough, your body has to start compensating. This is the stress response. And if that continues for a longer period of time, your body will start, that stress response starts breaking things down in your body. And so it could be arthritis. It could start breaking down the joints, for example, because the inflammation is actually eating away and and destroying uh, the, the collagen. It could be osteoporosis, which is, you know, when you're in a stress response, you release a bit of calcium and calcium can then demineralize your bones. Uh, If you're chronically uh, stressed and you've got a particular type of body, it may result in insulin resistance, which then leads to diabetes and significant weight gain. And so chronic is when we always need a stress. Stress is absolutely mandatory, but we have to have recovery. If we get the stress and recovery right, we stay in good health and we get stronger. If we just have the stress and not enough recovery, um, or we don't have any stress at all, and it's only recovery, like sitting on the couch for three months, um, that's when things become chronically imbalanced. Our body requires an oscillation of up and then down, stress and recovery. Um, And so it's when that gets out of balance, we end up with a disease that has a persistent nature you know, this is the first time I explain chronic disease that way, but what do you reckon about that, Craig? Yeah, I think that's spot on. Like, um, coming back to your initial point, I guess a chronic disease is something that's become going to become an issue for you down the line. Most people don't have a problem today with their chronic disease, and that's why, as health professionals, it's so hard to motivate people to take them seriously and to educate them about mm. this. So, for instance high cholesterol. That's not a problem for you today. That's a problem for you in 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, when you want to be a grandfather chasing kids around, but your cholesterol or your blood pressure is too high. And now you've ended up with the end states of those diseases. So when we're thinking about chronicity, it's as, as you put perfectly, it's not the acute thing that happens today. It's what is this going to mean for me down the track? Something applicable to you, Travis, we're looking at things like chronic Uh, respiratory conditions like asthma, that's a lifelong condition that we need to manage. The other things that we really think about is the chronic lifestyle type conditions. So the big ones are the things that, you know, shorten our life expectancy and shorten our quality of life. So the, the, you know, the big hitters we're looking at are going to be diabetes, um, obesity, high blood pressure, 
chronic kidney disease, um, chronic liver disease, all these sort of things that all are somewhat wrapped in uh, a large amount of who we are the day we're, day we're conceived and day we're born, and also the, the system that we evolve in, the way we behave, the things that we do, is all going to package up into what, what that chronic disease is. And so I guess coming back to my earlier very um, sarcastic and facetious question, to get rid of chronic disease is, is probably harder than fixing global warming. So we're, we're trying <laughs> to achieve a really difficult thing. Um, and I probably should have used a more um, ridiculous thing there. So it, it is a very lofty goal. And it's absolutely awesome to have people working towards that. Because if, if, if you don't identify the problem, we're never going to find a solution. So to have someone to come out and say, well, why don't we just try and fix this? Because that, that wouldn't even be a discussion. You know, that's not a discussion that I had in medical school. That's not a discussion that I have every day. We're not talking about that in the medical field because, you know, it's probably not good for business for a lot of people. It's not a great longevity. It's not great longevity for the future generation of doctors because if we fix all the chronic disease, I'm going to have to retrain in something else. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty keen for like a, a future career in stand-up, working to Netflix. You know, if you need me for a special, let me know. But in the interim, I probably need to focus on on uh, on my area. So yeah, I, I guess that's the way to look at it. And I guess handing back to you, Cam, how how you know why why do we listen to Dr. Cam McDonald? How did you how did you get to where you are? What's your well, you know what's what's your background? Are you looking at uh, doing a stand up stand up gig with me as well down the line? Or I've got, a, I've got a one or two hot little jokes from being a dad <laughs> that uh, seem to be pretty consistently good. No, generally, well, the reason you guys listen to me is because Trav has a man crush on me. That's <laughs> the, no, no. The, uh, the, where I've come, so where I came from and, and, and my background, I started out just very interested in health and sports. And so I figured health and sports science was exactly what I should do because I love sports. And after two years of doing very little study, in my third year of university, there was a lecturer who was speaking specifically about uh, how exercise can improve diabetes and that it just something triggered in my brain and said, well, we've just got to fix diabetes. Like that was the, the conclusion from that lecture. And so I studied that. I finished off my fourth year, then went into the, my master's of dietetics and nutrition up at the Griffith on the Gold Coast and uh, got straight into hospital work. I was working at one of Australia's biggest private hospitals, the Wesley Private up in Brizzy. And um, that was a really good experience going around. I turned my 15-minute cardiovascular uh, health uh, chat into an hour-long seminar for every single patient that would come through, just wanting to just land as many things as I could to make sure they never come back. And it wasn't really satisfying to, to do that. So I then wanted to go into something a bit more preventative, and I took up my PhD looking at... Uh, so breast cancer, individuals that go through breast cancer treatment, they, because of the chemo and the radiotherapy, they age 10 years in the year after treatment and it pulls all of their metabolic risk forward 10 years. So we, we did a trial looking at omega-3 and exercise and healthy eating to see if we could reduce inflammation and improve lean body mass, which we were looking at as a proxy for uh, systemic inflammation. If they're losing muscle, it's bad news because that's something that happens a lot with, with those treatments. Um, so I did that PhD, realized that everybody was getting different results. Some people were crushing it and other people were doing the work and not getting any result. I was seeing the same thing in my private practice. Um, and 
I was I was thought I was laying down the best possible lifestyle medicine guidance that I could find because that's all I was reading all day long. And some people still weren't getting a result. So I'd have people not changing weight, not improving their blood sugar. So I said, right, well, something's got to be different. So I then had a look at how we are different into personalization. And the first day of me looking into this area, I came across uh, Shay or PH360. PH360 is the, the brain, Shay's the is now kind of the name that's being used to describe this, this intelligence. Um, and I was fortunate enough to combine efforts with the, the leading minds in the world in this space, just the, the level of knowledge they had, the insights they have. I've been working very, very closely with them for the last eight years. I've been educating health professionals in this space from doctors all the way through to health coaches, as I mentioned. I've seen well over a thousand clients myself using this particular profile. I've been supporting organizations for the last four or five years in applying this in practice, in finding a solution that's better for them and and then actually doing something about it. We see huge changes in uh, mental health uh, in, in just 30 days, which is really encouraging. And then I'm also sort of the, the project lead for our organization for any research we're doing in the field. So we're running a regressing diabetes trial at the moment down at Avondale University. And we, we contribute content to the Masters of Lifestyle Medicine down there. Uh, we're also doing the same thing over at QUT with heart disease risk factors. We're do, looking at doing the same thing with personalized weight loss over at Duke University later on. Uh, and then and when we could be doing some exciting stuff through Europe as well, amongst other things. So um, the, the, my, my, I guess, why, why would you, the, the question that's actually sticking out in my mind is why would you listen to me? And I'm thinking, is that enough? You know, I, I guess the, you know, I've, I've spent the last decade dedicated on how are people different and what can we do about it? Um, so I know some stuff, uh, but ultimately it's, it's, if this stuff resonates, then hmm. it'll definitely become very clear that it's usable. Well, one thing that, you know, a few things that you mentioned there, like the stuff that we've spoken about previously, Craig, you know, um, exercise is medicine, basically, is one of the things that, that we often talk about. And we've spoken about um, the importance of food and diet and the importance of movement in longevity and all of that sort of stuff. So it really, to me, a lot of that message ties back into a lot of the stuff we've spoken about previously. Let's take a quick break. When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist right now. I feel like we've spoken about stress and we've spoken about sleep and we've spoken about all of this and it's all coming together that it's all leading to this point. I feel like <laughs> Travis has crafted the topics over the last year or so that we've been doing this podcast to set us up for this moment. And I guess, uh, you know, the answer of why, why, trust, why trust Dr. Cam, it's because, you know, Travis thinks he's all right. So that must, must be <laughs> exactly. a reasonable, a reasonable. <laughs> I'm a good judge. I'm a good judge. <laughs> Travis is a reasonable judge of character. I guess one of, the, one of the earlier points from that response was it's starting to make sense because you said that as a third year uni student, you decided you wanted to fix diabetes. So yes. this all starts to fall into place about um, your general willingness to change the world so good what, for you what was your um, third year what was your third year uni uh, aspirations craig 
Mate, I was the uh, 2009 Australian Medical Student Association champion bull rider uh, on the mechanical bull up at the conference in Brisbane, um, <laughs> which I think is pretty impressive. Um, I've got the trophy up there, actually. I can. I, I think it's actually on screen. That is a bull riding trophy just there. No one else. That's what I one. did in third year. That's fantastic. <laughs> so let's let's dive into some of the stuff around the course and how this information plays out because this is the thing that that i find um really interesting with this whole thing because typically when you do anything that revolves around personalization anything that revolves around personality and traits like that it's all based on i don't know whether it's subjective questions but it's all a lot of those sort of quizzes are like you know what would you rather this or this what would you rather be that or this Whereas a lot of this stuff bundles into, it doesn't ask any personal questions at all. It all it is just ask, based off measurement. Opinion. It, it, mm. we, we get a lot of personal data, but it's, um, that is obviously very protected and safe, of course. Uh, the, but the, um, we don't Objective ask any sub, measures, there's no not subjectivity subjective. to the yeah. questions, yeah. uh, which is the big difference. And so with that, so we know um, we haven't spoken about it really, but a lot of this stuff comes back down to epigenetics and how your body is uh, responding to its environment, so to speak. Yep. With that, let's dive into if you can give away a few trade secrets. Like, yeah. what what are some of these measurements telling us about our genetics? Okay, cool. So uh, the assessment process is actually looking at the outside of the body. So taking various measures and markers like the, your skull, jaw, neck, all through your trunk, your bone structures, where you're holding fat, where you hold muscle. Um, what we know is that the only reason your body is the size and shape that it is, is because of hormones and genetic influence. And if you eat lots of protein, that protein doesn't put muscle on everybody. Some people, uh, they don't gain any muscle because it's the hormones that make you grow, not the protein. The protein is a building block, it's also a stimulus, but it doesn't actually do the, the major drivers in your body. So the size and shape of your body is the result of genetics and hormones. That, that's the first important statement. What determines your dominant hormones and the ones that are gonna have more influence as to why you will hold fat and muscle in different areas of your body, why bones would be longer or shorter, much of that is determined embryologically and in the first couple of years of life where you have, um, to keep it simple, there will be a number of processes that get turned on or off genetically in the womb that say, hey, you're gonna be having a little bit more sensitivity to testosterone because of these genes and because of the way it gets transported around your body. And you're also gonna see that your adrenaline release is a little bit higher than somebody else versus another person you're gonna get more growth factors. You're gonna get more prolactin and IGF-1 and growth hormone, which make your body bigger as opposed to fiery and competitive like the adrenaline and testosterone. So there's a lot of changes that are occurring embryologically that then actually track through the rest of your life. And I'll give you a really simple example of this. There's some really interesting data around this, which is very easy to research. And that is the length of your ring finger to your index finger. And everyone can have a look at that at home right now. Uh, if you've got a longer ring finger, uh, it means that there's been a higher exposure of your embryo to testosterone during development. 
Now, you might think, well, so what? Well, firstly, it's changed the size and shape of your hand. Like, as you've developed, that thing that happened back then is actually having an influence on how your body has developed now. But we also know that as you develop, testosterone changes the structure and shape and function of the brain, uh, depending on the levels that you have. And we see that people with that marker, there's a tendency for them to be more competitive, more aggressive, more action-oriented, to more likely to have more children and earlier in their life. This is some of the research that comes out of this longer ring finger. So I wanna just help you understand this because it's a really important and totally poignant piece for this whole thing. And that is what happens embryologically changes how we develop and it changes our structures here, but it also influences our behaviors. Uh, and this is all tracking throughout life. And so when we're taking, when we're looking at a very detailed picture of skull and jaw and neck and torso and hand lengths and and elbow girths and ankle girths uh, there's other relationships that aren't just testosterone that are related to all of those things and so now we're at a point and this is what we deliver in corporate and with the children that we're profiling we can actually take a photo two photos and we can get an incredible amount of genetic data out of those photos using convolutional neural networks and artificial intelligence. We've been teaching the machines to take measures with a photo lens for quite a while. And we're at the point now where we can actually take a, a couple of photos of people and have a very, very deep understanding of their physiology very quickly. And so this is what makes it much more accessible. As a health professional going through the course, you'll be asked to do the tape measures just so you can get a bit more understanding of the theory. But that that's that stuff that stuff with the joints and shapes then matches with hair color eye color skin tone we know that if you've got pale skin blue eyes blonde hair we know that if we sit you out in the australian desert there's a very good chance a melanoma, a melanoma is going to eat you alive in about three days versus you take somebody with very dark skin dark eyes dark hair they've got a much longer period of time and so we take the northern european population we put them in australia we need very different considerations for that, that group of individuals because their genes have developed in a different area. And so to make it simple, we're calculating lots of genetic and hormonal factors. We're looking at these factors like hair color, eye color, skin tone, disease risk like asthma, which have genetic and phenotype links back to them as well. And we mash all of that together with AI and machine learning, which does it just much more comprehensively than anything else. And that then allows us to be very specific with foods, very specific with exercises, very specific with behavioral tendencies. Um, and this, this all happens in about 30 minutes um, so that you can have a result for a client and you can be talking about the precision health you know, in the first consultation, which is where this stuff has to be. It has to be accessible, it has to be fast. Um, and it has to be ready for clients who are impatient. Trav, um, how big is your ring finger? <laughs> mine were, um, mine were like one is shorter and one's about the same length. The anomaly. So this explains why I'm more competitive than you because mine are both longer. There they are. Look at those Ooh. bad boys. That yeah. explains. Is there a correlation between the ring finger length and the the bushiness of a mustache? Is that? Well, I mean, it's, it's heavily testosterone-related. Um, but that would explain that, why we're all very competitive. I'm not particularly bushy, and I've got a longer <laughs> ring finger. So uh, it's there's more factors, but we all, actually, we actually ask sizes. you about your facial hair growth in the questionnaire. So we do account for that little variability. Yeah. Wow. That is, that is really interesting. That was literally the question I was going to ask. Like, give me an example. Give me some hard science. Yeah. Um, the, I guess the follow-up, obviously, you're measuring lots of different variables. That's an awesome example. 
Yes. One would assume the level of evidence for some of the other variables is maybe not quite as robust. Mm -hmm. How do you kind of compensate that as you combine in? I'm assuming this is probably going to be because the computer is a lot smarter than us and it can yes. work that out. But but one would assume that you're not sort of muddying the waters with less, like like it's a developing mm. a developing thing, right? We'll understand more as we go, and it's almost like the the algorithm. Is, would be learning more as it as it comes like it's sort of evolving right because yes, because that is. example something is obviously very um definite but there'd be other things that uh, you know still isn't well established in 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 the uh in the literature because no doubt you you know i've gone through the program there's a lot of different variables that are assessed yes. and i can you know guarantee they have all haven't received the same you know funding and attention in research because maybe they're not as sexy as testosterone and bushy mustaches but um <laughs> Yeah, so like it, it's interesting. So it must it must develop. And and do you have like a I guess a read on which recommendations are, are stronger backed with with the evidence versus others, or sure. or how you sort of how you sort of balance okay. that out? Like, is it? Yeah. Well, I'll I'll give you a bit of background as to how we developed it first. So um, we started with five years of ground truth stuff, literally in in practice, ten thousand n equal ones taking 35 different anthropometric measures, doing every test we could throw at them, following up interventions, testing interventions, seeing how they responded. So we had a, a core group of 10,000. We were able to whittle those 35 measures around the body down to 18. And we can actually do it with far less now, but we, we keep the 18 in for just for data purposes. Um, we then, after that 10,000, we've now been, we've collated 80,000 verified people within the data set. And so there is a large amount of stuff that's, well validated within the literature and then we've got an incredible amount that is very well validated within our internal but it's not published yeah. and so this is the little bit of black box magic that goes on with any ai or any proprietary algorithm um, but if you have a large enough data set like right now we're crunching i think my ceo said today one and a half billion data points every month where we're learning from that now this is the most beautiful thing about machine learning so when it comes to priority order uh, your things like, for example, understanding the size and shape of your body, there's an incredible amount of really good evidence around that. We've also got really robust data sets around that as well. Um, so that gets a high priority in how a lot of the, the variability shakes out of it. Things like eye color, hair color, skin tone, they're all quite validated as well, which give us really quite hard a genetic linkage. Um, then if you say, oh, hey, I think my eyes are like blue versus blue gray, like there's not as much difference between those, you know, like it, there's, it doesn't factor in as much. And it might mean that spinach moves up half a point versus not half a point. So it doesn't really change whether spinach is good for you, but it's the on mass, all of these variables uh, that are important. So yes, there's lower order um, priority things. And there's some things that we actually collect up just for the data itself. So yes, uh, yeah, there is a, a hierarchy. Um, and essentially, as you said, the more data that we have, the more that we learn. And particularly with um, you know, the, the, the wearable data that we're gonna be, that we're pulling in right now, but also what's gonna be available in the future. It's like the day-to-day -day variation of people's health and how different health matters respond. It's gonna become like that data, the size of the data set, not just the 80,000, but the, the six, six figures of people that we have on the platform around the world, it's gonna create some pretty incredible insights very quickly.
another one of our previous episodes, the wearable tech. <laughs> and also the insertable tech, if you remember certain yeah, parts of that episode. Also, also <laughs> do remember certain parts of that episode. <laughs> um, one of the, and I guess just to follow up on that point, and I won't hark on it too much because I feel like it's probably getting a bit sciencey and a bit hard for people to follow. Um, noting that there's probably a hierarchy of evidence towards things, yeah. I haven't I haven't experienced the the program other than the, the initial testing. Is that delivered in a in a hierarchy of recommendations? Because obviously, you know, there'll be some much stronger recommendations that'll come through versus there might be some that, you know, if because people aren't going to do everything, right? So, you know, is there yes. a way that yes. people identify that, you know, the main point is not just to eat more spinach, it's actually to do these like these hard hitting foundations is that yes. is that presented is it kind of like a it is when start actually, with this foundation add to this you know if you're going to feel a bit lazy this is the stuff to cut away or got it you are just segueing me into a um to talk about the coaches course essentially uh, the coaches course we train health professionals in saying okay for craig matern uh we the the place that you want to start that, that is actually going to have more impact is actually in the place section of the platform. That's got some heavy hitting stuff for you that's gonna make more of a difference than uh, maybe starting out with social components of your stress. So yes, we have that hierarchy order um, and it's based on that embryological development piece, which is really well known within the literature. Um, and it allows you to say, right, if we're gonna go bang for buck here, we're gonna say these are the areas that you really wanna push for first, but it's actually quite different for different people. But that, that is that information that comes into the coaching piece that we spend a lot of time with health professionals making sure that, hey, this person wants a result, great, press that button first. It just makes everything a lot simpler. Let's take a quick break. Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG. And we're the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. Okay, that's awesome. Um, moving on to stuff that's going to be more applicable because I think the my main concern that I raise with Travis is we're on very much the same page, so we've got to make sure that we're actually communicating what that is to our uh, illustrious listeners. Yep. So why why do we need precision health? What okay. what is the point? Why yes. can't I just do what I get taught? Take a take a a, a page out of the um, you know the the Bible of general practice medicine. It gives me a little handout. It says Give, prescribe this diet, prescribe this exercise, go on. What, why can't I just, you know, why is there not one size that fits all? I love that. Well, it's, uh, we've known about this probably in a very substantial sense for the last three decades. And I, it still blows my mind that we don't talk about it. There was a study done in the mid-1990s that took 500 people from family groups. So they had about 100 different family odd. 150 odd families with three to four people each family in this study where they made them do six months of aerobic exercise three times per week supervised. So at 75% of your VO2 max, so really good clip for 30 to 40 minutes, three times per week. And they saw that some people got 30 to 40% improvements in their VO2 max, which is a huge result. And then some people got less fit. And it wasn't a matter of them not adhering. 
It wasn't a matter of them not turning up. It, they Cause, did cause the that's exercise. the first thing. As soon as, as soon as they come back for that first follow-up appointment, you know, after three months, the first assumption for the clinician is like, well, did you do it? Exactly. Did you actually do it? Yep. So they the supervise these guys. You having? You know, come on. <laughs> yeah. And we, I asked the same question at a dietetics conference. This person's gone away and eaten this food and they haven't got a result. Uh, what's the problem? And everyone said in chorus, they're lying. <laughs> you know, it's whereas what we know is that some people's physiology, if they try and do that training in the morning, it can set off a stress response in their body that means that they maintain their weight and they're just getting to the end of the day when they're finally getting over the stress from exercise first thing in the morning. Um, we, whereas you'll have other people that are absolutely designed for that kind of training at that kind of pace at that kind of time and they super respond. And so the first reason that we need precision exercise is because you can, in every single exercise trial that I've seen, the minimum number of people that do not respond, the minimum is 15%. Everything after that, you're looking at 40% non-responder rate. Like my diabetes mission was to eliminate diabetes with exercise. If you put this trial actually looked at blood sugar response, only 60% of the people got a benefit from blood sugars. 40% of people got worse with their blood sugar levels doing three times per week exercise training. And so that's the reason that we need precision for exercise because a different person, if they do the, that's a, the same exercise at the right time or a different exercise at a different time, they will get a response where they otherwise wouldn't. Quick maths, Travis. If there's a minimum 15% non-responder rate, how big does your PT group have to be before you are more than likely to have one non-responder in the group? Jesus. Would you like me to answer that for you? <laughs> yeah, yes. Seven people. So 100 divided by 15, you know, how many How many 15s go into 100? Six, point, six and two thirds. So if you've got seven people in a group training program, you are going to have on average statistically one person who's a non-responder so this isn't a, and that's the minimum right minimum uh, not up even to 40 percent yeah. up to 40 percent if you get to 40 percent it means at least one in three yeah so that's why it's important right exactly and then to add to that because everybody loves their lean body mass in in this world of fitness professionalism because it's how we mark Travis our success yeah anyway uh you can take a group of people and they took them a group through 10 weeks of hyper, for progressive hypertrophy training. Some people increase their lean body mass by 25%. And then there's a person who lost 20% of their muscle tissue. And then six people who lost over 5% of their muscle tissue during 10 weeks of supervised progressive resistance training. So this understanding, but what's so fascinating about this, this is what blows my mind. And it was a recent study, 2021, that this was published. They took a group of people and they made them do, they took a group of twins actually. And they said, right, do aerobic training or resistance training and then do the other and do 12 weeks of both with a 12 week washout, like a 12 week gap in between. And what they found, the 15% of people that didn't get a result from aerobic training, if they then went into, a, into resistance training, they would get a significant and, and big result. It's like they were super low responding to something, but mega high responders to something else. And then, the people who weren't getting stronger or bigger muscle from resistance training, when they did endurance training, their lean body massing went up. So this whole law of specificity, that is I need to train progressive hypertrophy rep ranges to make a person's muscle bigger. It actually matters about the person. If the person is an endurance person, you train them endurance. Mm. But to understand whether they're endurance or not, there's a lot of factors that you need to understand. Biomechanics, uh, muscle length, muscle length, muscle fiber type, 
energy systems that they've got operating better or worse. And so, you know, just in an exercise setting, this is why we need to be precise because you can have someone training for 12 weeks and get no or less result. But the reason that you don't see them is because they stop coming because they hate it and they're not getting a result. Whereas if you know what they're designed for, they're much more likely to stick because they're going to be getting a result faster as well. It's funny on, a, on an exercise standpoint there, like uh, as, as fitness professionals listening in, they've all seen this. They're all aware of this yes. with non-responders. But also like I know when I went through the course myself, a lot of the stuff was like the stuff that it was telling me to do was the stuff I'd gravitated to naturally. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff, it was like, you know, strength training, not not necessarily early in the morning. You know, so mine was strength training in the afternoon, which is what I'd been doing for 10 years. And then um, not loving HIIT training, which I, I don't love HIIT training and endurance training and all this sort of stuff, which I've gravitated away from for a long time. It, it, it pushed me towards those things. So I, I, for me, I don't know whether it's fitness professionals, maybe they come into it with like a better body awareness than maybe some other professionals. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's your experience for people well, doing the course. Well, no, no, I would say, cause we would see bodies, particularly with those more growth factors like the prolactins, IGF ones, they've got a bigger body and generally they do less well with really intense early morning exercise, but they're coming into an industry that's mm. run by early birds that love CrossFit and HIIT training and going as hard as possible and eating five meals per day of chicken and broccoli. But what they, what, and then they come into this environment, they come then through the course or do the profile, they realize they've got to have two and a half meals per day with virtually non-existent dinner and way less meat. And the broccoli is actually disrupting their thyroid and the early morning training, sending them into a blood sugar spike for three to four hours. They just change their training to the afternoon. They change their meal timing and they start seeing more change than they have seen in the last five years. And this is because you know, like you, Trav, you were, you were dialed in, you, you were an, an educator, you're learning, you, you're pressing things like you're, but a lot of people come in just thinking, this is what I've been told to do. Mm. There's something wrong with my body as to why it's not working. So I would say even within our industry, there's still a, a huge amount of um, body, body, mind disconnection. Um, yeah, and, interesting. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Travis wasn't training times. early in the morning because he was still in bed just quietly. <laughs> exactly. But, um, you know, but then he's, you just, got all... he's just relying on his natural chronobiology, right? He's he was. Just in and leaning into it, not feeling guilty. You know, the, mm. all of these night owls out there that are in social jet lag, it's a known thing that we have social jet lag that's significantly ruining people's impulsive eating behaviors and making them feel a lot less enjoyment in life. Um, all you've got to say is like, we're working with a group of teachers one time and at the end of the 12 weeks, one of the teachers got up and said, look, I've just, um, I'm waking up later than when I was getting to school and I feel so much better for it. I've got three hours of extra energy at the end of my day where I was only waking up an hour earlier, you know? So it's just, it gives people permission to actually be themselves and to not be judged by brothers about waking up late and being in bed, you know, Trav, I've got your back, mate. Thank you. That's, that's much appreciated. <laughs> Craig, you got another one? Well, I just it's just, you know, it sounded like our, you know, two episodes ago when we were chatting about, you know, chronobiology. We we had a, a you know, Olivia Arizolo on the on the podcast talking about bear lion wolf and it, it, it links right in with mm. all the all the stuff we're talking about. Can I um, do a little bit on the need for precision nutrition as well? I think that'd round some things out. Have yes. We got time? Yeah, of course we've got time. We've got all the time in the world. Because I got excited about exercise, but I feel like the um, the nutrition piece, like there's so much mystery around. One thing I'll also add into this, um, which 
maybe I'll bring up at the end anyway, is the thing that you said at the very beginning about when we spoke about scope and stuff like this, this is awesome for trainers, like having access for this for your clients. One of the biggest things we get asked as trainers uh, or as educators is nutrition. What do we do? What do we prescribe? How can we do it? How can we write meal plans? What, you know, all this sort of stuff. This is something that if you're, if you want to dive into nutrition, I highly recommend this because it just does it all for you. And it is so awesome um, in that respect. So, but uh, Cam, your turn. Yeah, nice. And, and I'll preface this by saying I'm a dietitian, really take pride in programs. And I, I do not see people without this program now because there's no way I can calculate the variables in my brain. There's just no way. So um, when we talk about personalized nutrition, same deal. You, in, in every weight loss trial, there is a 25 to 50% non-responder rate. And so <laughs> think Travis, about how that. many people do you need for that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, two. <laughs> so, exactly. Two, two to four. four. Very two to four. Awesome. Craig's onto it. Thanks, Craig. So, um, the, so think about that for a second. Your client base, you put them all in this program and you like, it's, it's the clients that you dread walking up to the scales at six weeks. Cause you know, they're just not seeing change. They've been weighing themselves every day, waiting for this thing to happen. Um, what we've found or well, not what we've found, what's in the literature right now is that optimal nutrition can range from six meals per day, higher protein, moderate vegetables through to very low protein, very high vegetable, two to three meals per day. And there's some really, really interesting research on that right now. And I'll give you an example. One is they took a group of people with type 2 diabetes and they made them eat six meals per day or descending size, three meals per day. So big breakfast, moderate lunch, and very small dinner. And when they looked after uh, 12 weeks, the group with type 2 diabetes, so there'll be slower weight loss in this group generally, they'd lost five kilos and their insulin requirements had dropped 40%, which is huge. Like this is big if they're on insulin requirements. The second group eating exactly the same calories lost no weight, lost, had no change in their insulin requirements and the HbA1c didn't improve at all. Eating exactly the same macros and micros, but just at different times. But you take another person who is... Uh, more slender, and they tend to lose weight when they're in stress. And if you give them two meals per day, they get they it wipes them because they're so exhausted because they have to use their stress hormones to stay awake the whole day rather than using fat stores, which other individuals have. These individuals they actually need regular meal times, not only to um, maintain lean body mass, but also to bring them into a parasympathetic state. Some people hold a higher sympathetic drive uh, naturally, and they need. The, the meal to calm them down, to hold their uh, muscle in place. The time we grow muscle and, and, and do good things with our lean body mass is overnight when we're in rest. And so some individuals need six meals per day. Other people need three. Um, some people need a lot more vitamin D. Other people don't. Um, some people need, uh, some people can consume broccoli and they'll break out in hives. Somebody else eats broccoli and it completely solves some of their liver issues. And it's, you know, we, we have this idea that, oh, everyone should eat vegetables and they should, but it actually matters which vegetables you choose. Um, and any person who's dealt with gas and bloating and has gone on a FODMAP diet or something like that, where you've tried to get your gas and bloating down, you'll know, oh, there's some vegetables and fruits that you actually see as bad after a while because you know they give you symptoms. But we've got to start educating people from baseline that 
there are different fruits and vegetables that are better for you. And this is what the tech can do. It can say very specifically spinach, not kale, lamb, not beef, um, because of the data that's being collated and how it's being processed in the back end. And then as a trainer, all you have to do is coach it. You just have to say, hey, which is your best meat? Do you want to give it a try? As opposed to eat this meat, which you're out Mm. of scope to do. Well, it's again, I'll tie it back into my experience is for me, I've always been, I've never been a big dinner eater and I'm not much of a lunch eater. And so for me, I'm like one and a half meals, two meals sort of person. I have a big breakfast and so, I mean, I mean, what's a, we're, we're filming this now. It's 5.30. I ate breakfast at 10 in the morning. And since then, I've had a banana. And since then, I've had a banana. Like, I haven't eaten anything the whole day um, after and after breakfast. And, and I feel crazy. Fine. And it's obviously because you've got such robust fat stores to keep you burning all day long. And exactly. Because you spend so much time sleeping, that's when you develop all your muscles. It's all <laughs> making so much sense. <laughs> And then the red meat, like the red meat, like I, you know, I remember for me when I when I was living in Argentina, when we used to have barbecues and stuff in Argentina, the 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 plan for when you go shopping was how many guys that were coming. That's how many kilos of red meat you'd buy. So if there were ten blokes coming to the barbecue, you'd go and buy ten kilos of red meat, and then like then it would look after itself. I used to get bad, like real bad sort of gut stuff after many of these barbecues from eating lots of red meat. And ever since then, I, I, I have a lot less red meat. Obviously, I have a lot less here than I did over there because that's basically all their diet is. Hmm. But um, but for me, it's, it's a lot less red meat and I feel a lot better uh, for it as well. So again, for me, I, I it confirmed a lot of the stuff that I was doing naturally, um, but it's, it's really, I, I just, again, like I said at the very beginning, I find it all very interesting and, and very um, engaging, the, the content. Uh, Craig, you got something? It's, yeah, it's crazy. Like, to really resonate, and, and I didn't say this at the start because I didn't want to steal your thunder, but essentially, the, like, the big thing that I always talk about in, from a health and medical point of view is if there was one thing that fixed a problem, there'd only be one option, right? So the whole concept of like a panacea, something that treats everything, you know, we do have some of those that exist. If you're an insulin dependent diabetic, diabetic, you get insulin, right? There's, there's not, there's not a whole list of other options. There's obviously different ways you can deliver it, but there's not a whole list of different options. If you've got type two diabetes, whole bunch of different things. If you're, you know, mental health issues, whole bunch of different mental health medications, whole bunch of different cholesterol medications, all these things. There's so many different options. If one of them worked for everyone, you know, there wouldn't be a market for so many differences. So if anybody is doubting the importance of having uh, an individual response to any kind of treatment, whether that's an exercise, a diet, a medication, then all you have to do is look at, you know, the, the great thing of capitalism of people wouldn't be trying to make all these different options if there was only one solution, because there's a market out there for variety. And the thing that you're trying to do, which, you know, we in the medical field, we we've got very little chance of is trying to actually direct who gets what and who responds from what. Because unfortunately the way that we approach it is trial and error a lot of times. And um, I don't know. And I guess it's a follow-up question. I'm not sure whether you'll be able to answer it. You know, do medications probably a little bit out of the scope of of where you're at, but you know, do you, do you guys look at much of the like pharmacogenomic type of stuff, pharmacogenetic sort of stuff? I've only recently come across this because I've had a specialist Push back to me, someone who hasn't responded to a few different medications, saying maybe we should do this testing. 
my understanding was it was all very theoretical still, not really in, in clinical practice. You can give a very short answer because it's probably more interesting to me and we can talk offline, but sure. um, is, that, is that something that's being explored in, in your little world, yes. big world? No, I was just doing short <laughs> yes, we are, yes. um, So we, uh, yeah, we, we do a lot in precision medicine. Um, the, the app that coaches get is a, a lifestyle medicine app, essentially. Uh, but there is a huge amount of insight, like in, in another part of the, another platform and another part of the server land. Um, we have all of the drug interaction pieces built out, even to the point where we can start saying, hey, you've been prescribed these five meds, but the doctor probably didn't recognize that these four things and these need to be coming down. So yes, it's, um, that's very much a space that we're playing in. And um, that's going to be coming, particularly when like directing people, even to the point where... Um, there's going to be some really exciting changes that happen with health insurance in the coming decade of, hey, we're going to give you money to go and do this with your health now because it's going to prevent this future problem um, is, is how things are going to be shaping up as we go forward as well. How certain are you that you haven't built Skynet? Let's take a quick break. Hey, Bar & Girl fans, it's Jim with Madhouse Bar Talk where me and my co-hosts sit around and talk about the things going on around Madhouse Bar and Grill in Elyria, Ohio. The whole conversation is unscripted, uncensored, and unedited. Anywhere where you stream podcasts, just remember, Madhouse Bar Talks, baby! That's a good question. Um, Skynet is very advanced AI. <laughs> and it is also in our future. So um, the the way that we've developed if, our... You, as long our, as you don't go into business with a weapons developer, you should hopefully be okay. Yeah, that's exactly right. So we, we weaponize healthy whole, whole foods and uh, social love and community connection. So yeah. Um, we, uh, yeah, the, the AI that we have, we, we set up the algorithms before AI was really available. Um, then we've been supervising AI, which is what you do. You say, hey... See what you do when we give you this data. Oh, no, that's wrong, mate. Back into line and then we help them correct. So in that way, when we teach the algorithm how to do stuff well and we give it the right intention, we're good to go. But Skynet's Until a, it fights back. Until Skynet's it fights a, back. quite a way off and it's definitely not our business, that's for sure. Well, we're, we're, I suppose we're running out of time today because I know you've got another thing coming up after this. So as we, as we look to sign off, we do know, like I said, I have done uh, the training. Um, Cam, for people who want to get involved in, in the training. Oh, Craig, did you have any, any finishing questions, actually? I have one last question, and you can answer it really quickly and talk about it later. Who do you find are the biggest skeptics? Because <laughs> I'm going to be honest, when Travis first introduced me to things when I was young and full of hubris, yes. as a fresh you know, member of the evidence-based society, mm -hmm. being taught what I thought was cutting-edge stuff, which it wasn't, um, I was like, mm, really? You know, you measure your finger and it tells you what? Like, who are the biggest skeptics? And I reckon your answer is probably going to be my brotherhood. Yes, yeah. Doctors, uh, well, actually, not all. Not all. Um, often, you know what? It's, it's, there's two types. There's brand new graduates who think they know everything and they know nothing, um, which is exactly how I was. Like, well, it wasn't in my textbook, so it's not true. Like, anyone would come up to me with a special diet after I graduated dietetics. I was like, we haven't learned about it, so it can't be any good. Like, that was my mentality in that man. But that's everybody, right? Like, the, the less you know, the more you think you know. So, um, and then we have 
uh, people that have got ego attached to their methodology in that uh, the way that I do things works for everybody. There's always going to be a level of emotional skepticism of I don't want to relinquish what I think is best because that then means I have to relearn. But then there's also actually a genetic type or a phenotype. That's what the, I was going to ask you. <laughs> the Crusaders and the Crusaders uh, and people with Crusader elements to their profile, which you can be a diplomat with Crusader elements, for example. Um, and they are help when they're healthy, they are naturally skeptical. And so whenever I get skepticism, I go, oh, that's great. Awesome. What would you like to know? Because the skepticism comes from, I don't know enough to be expert in this and I want to be expert in it. So I'm going to question you and test you until I feel like I now have the information to be an expert and to pass this information on, in which case I'll become your number one ambassador, but never give you credit for the information. So <laughs> there's, um, there's different types of skepticism we come across, but definitely medical because they are dealing with so much fad noise all of the time. As soon as you start going outside of, you know, the six minute time slot in an area that they know a lot about, then it just becomes easier to say, nah, where that's probably what we see the most. Anyone who's, um, yes, quite rigid in their thinking generally and doesn't have much time to really explore it. That, that's where we'll get the most resistance. But uh, it doesn't change the fact that it's incredibly effective. That's for sure. One of the great things that I found from being exposed to your work was it actually resonates really well with it's, it's something in the nursing sphere, actually, when they talk about giving a medication, the, the six rights, you know, right dose, right time, right patient. Uh, right route, right drug, all that sort of stuff. And, and pretty much, you know, from a few of your talks, that's, that's pretty much how you talk about a lot of things, making sure that it is timed right, it's the right volume, it's the right type of thing. So, you know, these, these concepts aren't new to us. It's just expanding it out and realizing that the only thing that we, not the, that, that, you know, a drug isn't the only thing we can give someone. And, and that really harks back to the whole point me and Travis do this podcast and that we talk about you know, lifestyle medicine. We talk about how exercise is medicine. We talk about how, you know, we want to sort the fact from the fiction in the fitness industry. And that's why we get, um, you know, people like yourself to come on and, and, and educate us and the masses. And we just want to reward our listeners, especially if they've kept on, because this is the bull riding trophy. There it is. Um, you wanted to see that what a dream. So If you're on the Facebook Live, you can see it. That's the 2009... <laughs> congratulations you can see where i super glued the foot back on when it fell off my desk once but um that that's all i've got from me i'll i'll pass over to you trav it was a good question actually that was a good question um and i was gonna i was gonna show my knowledge and I, i'd imagine it would be the crusaders wouldn't it uh cam <laughs> so people want to do the if people watching listening want to do courses um we'll throw some you throw out some specific dates now but the, yep. you're, you're running courses all the time as well so even if you're listening to this at a later time and it's yep. past the course date don't hesitate to reach out and all that sort of good stuff as well but cam Throughout, throughout your stuff. Good stuff. So essentially, the only thing that matters is that your clients get results. And so starting the 22nd of July at the moment, that's, that's when our next course of 2022, uh, you do a couple of weeks of pre-learning where you essentially learn about some of the sciences that I was just talking about then. And then you come into the most dynamic, fun, interactive two-day conference of your life online where you get to meet a whole bunch of people from the community and workshop and do a whole lot of cool stuff. Essentially, at the end of that two days, you will be ready to implement precision health with your clients. That's the important thing is that you don't need to know all of the science to implement it. And we will coach you the next six weeks after that, it's eight weeks in total. We essentially hold your hand 
to help you get results with your first few clients. So we don't actually care about anything else except for your client getting results. Like that's the only reason that we are here. We cannot eliminate chronic disease and pain if we've got a great product that doesn't work or you aren't supported to get that result. So um, everything is very practically based. You'll get incredible insights into yourself. Um, the, the weekend is the 30, 31st of July. But as Trav said, there are Asia Pacific, Asia, Australasia Pacific times. And there's also a UK US friendly time, which is absolutely brutal for our education team. However, we are doing it for the good of the world. So you can get involved. Well, we in do, we own. do have, when we look at the data, we do have like 40% of the people are US based listening right. to this. Perfect. So well, they actually have got the sweet spot where they can do the Australian times. Cause it's like, they just have a party till 11 or 12 at night. And that's when we finish up or they can get involved with the, the US UK times. Um, it's, you will be more supported in this community, maybe on par with fitness education online. You guys do a lot. Uh, we provide a huge amount of resource for you to make sure that you can get a result. There are unending amounts of education, just like with FEO. Um, we, we want you to, um, uh, to be as successful as possible. And that's what the course is set up for using the world's best tech in this space, um, learning from the world leaders in this technology. And I can say that because I'm, we're the only ones teaching it. So I can say that we're the world leaders. And so the website, yeah, haven't Thank plugged you. it yet. Yes. Precision health Alliance dot org precision health org um but of course uh there'll probably be a link that travis can there'll be links yeah well. there'll be links in the in the notes and um all that sort of good stuff yeah. um and you want to get the, the link from trav because it's got uh, a, a fitness education partner discount on there too yeah love it that's a great way to do it uh all right mate thank you so much for your time um this afternoon it's been a real pleasure um, connecting two people that, that I have, I've probably spoken both people about each other a, a couple of times. So it's, uh, it's uh, been a really good chat and, and Craig, thank you for, for all your good questions. I, I did, I did suspect you were going to try and put him on the spot a couple of times and I was, uh, I'm glad you did. And Cam, mate, as always pass with, uh, flying colors. That's good. I'll wait for, I'll wait for Craig's marks to come in as well, but I had butterflies because Craig's been spoken about as quite a special <laughs> human. So uh, it's great to finally meet you, mate. And, and thanks for the chat, well, guys. I, I appreciate it. I, I assume you're the brother that he never had and always wanted. So it <laughs> yeah, seems like right. he puts you up on a pedestal. No, it was an awesome <laughs> chat. Thanks, heaps. It was really good. I'm keen to get involved. Um, are you going to have face-to-face -face conferences again or that, that time is gone and dead? No, COVID was a pretty good fast tracker for us to be able to go much larger. We used to run 20 in-person conferences per year which was awesome for my flat status points with Virgin. Um, but uh, doing three a year online with hundreds of people is actually incredibly exciting for everyone. So it's, um, we'll do some in-person stuff with our community, you know, bigger events eventually, but, but right now it's all online to make it super accessible. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening in or watching this episode. If you've been tuning into the Facebook stream, um, as always, you know, we're fitness education online. All the uh, links will be in the show notes. And uh, thank you for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening. If you liked this show, share it with your friends, subscribe on iTunes and leave us a five star review. For show notes and free training on how to grow your fitness business, visit www.fitnesseducationonline.com.au. Are you a fitness professional looking to provide your clients with personalized meal plans? Well, check out Mealsy. 
the ultimate solution for creating custom meal plans in just a few simple clicks. With Mealsy, you can say goodbye to countless hours spent on meal planning. Our Australian meal planning web app is designed to save you time and effort so you can focus on what really matters, your clients and their success. Mealsy provides you with a vast library of recipes all created by nutrition professionals. From breakfast to dinner and everything in between, we've got you covered. Whether you want to create a custom meal plan tailored to your client's needs or choose from our selection of ready-made meal plans, Mealsy has the flexibility to accommodate your preferences. So why waste precious time and energy creating meal plans from scratch? Let Mealsy do the heavy lifting for you while you focus on delivering exceptional fitness services. Join the community of fitness professionals who have revolutionized their business with Mealsy. Visit our website at www.mealsy.com and sign up today. Mealsy, the smarter way to meal plan for fitness professionals.